0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the La Rouge Rugby Podcast focusing on real Canadian rugby. It's a new year and yet we are back. We have so much to talk about since we last saw you guys. You know, there have been new signings, there have been departures, teams have announced their squads, teams have announced their kit, one sporting league has changed their identity entirely. There's more rules that have been announced by World Rugby. But let's keep it simple. Let's start first of all with my co-host Derek Rosett. Derek, how are your hey. holidays?
1: Um, they were good. They were um, very very busy. Um, you know, shout out to all the uh, couples of divorced parents having to go through a uh, minimum minimum fourth Christmas and all holiday related dinners. Um, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that was it. Was pretty busy. Um, in that sense, um, there was also um, one nice thing though my brother um from BC, lives out in BC now he uh flew home for Christmas for like the first time in like eight or so years um so that was nice to kind of have to, uh, that was nice to have him back um so yeah you know it, it was really busy but um also a lot of fun at the same time which I feel like is pretty much um Peak holiday season vibes most of the time anyways. Um, how about yourself? Did you uh, you get up to anything? Any, any cool rugby gifts find their way under the tree? Uh, well, this is the
0: thing. I flew back to the UK to celebrate Christmas with my family, and that's the first time I've been able to do that in five years. Nice. So that was lovely. Um, and as such, I only had like the one suitcase. My girlfriend had another, but they quickly got filled with gifts and <laughs> that, and that, that was rules Then, like, if you're going to give us anything, it has to be light, it has to be able to pack in a suitcase, it yeah. has to be taken
1: over. My brother said the same thing. The
0: most memorable gift, I would say, is that my holiday got extended by a day because my flight that was originally meant to go to Iceland and then Toronto got um, cancelled and I got put onto a flight to Lisbon in portugal so i got to celebrate new year's eve in lisbon at a hotel uh just a few hundred meters from the airport nice and, nice well that's one word to describe it um and then flew air canada from lisbon back to toronto and the, and then the the usual rigmarole of you know Adjusting your body clock, making sure that uh, you're not falling asleep at uh, five in the afternoon or anything like that. But anyway, uh, you know, flying back to Toronto, I think on that note, it's best that we start with talking about what's been happening with the Toronto Arrows since we've been away. I mean, we did have that great interview with Pete Smith. And in fact, we've got another interview coming up in this episode. So stick around for that. But let's talk about some other arrivals that have been coming into Toronto, besides myself, obviously. Um, So it was announced that there has been a trade with the San Diego Legion. The Legion has received salary cap, and in return, the Toronto Arrows have received the playing rights to MLR 2021 champion Corey Thomas. And I think this is a fantastic get. So it seems that from the uh, dispersal and... um, Expansion draft that went on. The Arrows, you know, were looking to get a Canadian name on it. They got Lindsay Stevens, and Lindsay was then traded to Chicago. And so, you know, getting another Canadian name this time with Corey Thomas, working out that trade with San Diego, you know, it seems to sort of have worked for both parties there, you know, getting a guy who's already won the MLR Shield, who's, you know, making absolute waves for the Canadian national men's team. Looks fantastic. Also, we have a new signing, Nick Hildebrand, who has returned from sabbatical, and he'll be uh, linking up with the arrow soon. And probably the latest and most interesting signing is Ramon Ayaza um, from Chile, who has been playing for uh, Soyo Angolan uh 15 charente in the uh d2 in france he's been playing he's been playing in france for i think like nearly close to a decade so a wealth of experience coming over and you know if uh chile has to had to knock out uh canada to get there and if ramon um plays for chile in the world cup then technically canada are playing in the world cup because playing for the hours makes you an honorary canadian so
1: is that, how, is that how that works?
0: Yeah, that, I mean, that's absolutely, like Gaston Merez, if he plays um, for exactly. Uruguay, then Uruguay is technically Canada as well. That That is 100% how it works. But I don't make the rules. I'm it's,
1: just saying that's how it works. I think, I think, though, like Uruguay is, I feel like, everybody's second favorite team, unless you're Uruguay and then they're your first favorite team. But I feel like for everyone else around the world, um the way that entire squad kind of carries themselves especially after the 2019 world cup um and they yeah. seem to be like everyone's second favorite team well they are america's one as well so you know yeah. they've definitely they've yeah. definitely come on leaps
0: and bounds since uh i think it was in 2015 when they you know celebrated as though they won the world cup when they just scored a try yeah that's how far these guys have come along. However, uh, we also had on Boxing Day from our friends over at America's Rugby News, we had an MLR off-season update on the Toronto Arrows. Uh, hope those guys, uh, you've uh, been enjoying your holiday season as well, obviously being able to dish out articles on Boxing Day and, you know, saying how, the arrows have gone on um the big news being that uh long-term general manager and chief and coo mark winneker has stepped down and he has been replaced by tim matthews who is the now vice president and general manager of the toronto arrows as well but there's also been some uh, quite a long list of departures as well now i'm gonna read out all the names that uh, Emma, the uh, America's Rugby News has listed as departures. Some of these we already know some of these have basically been announced by them. So we have Cole Keith, Andrew Quatrin, and Spencer Jones are off to the New England Free Jacks. Ronan Foley has uh, joined with the Seattle Seawolves. Siaki Lani is part of the long list uh, for the training camp for the America Raptors. We have Sam Mace, who is playing for Leeds Titans in the UK. We have Will Kelly, who is playing for Chinor in the UK as well. And uh, The following list is now just list of departures. They haven't been announced as with a club as of recording. So we have Kyle Bailey, Toma De La Vega, Ollie Knott, Marcello Wainwright, Taitusi Vicolani, Chris Bell, Andrew Ferguson, Weta Tafuga, Denon Robinson-Bartlett, Matthew Hood, and Gaston Mirez. Now, admittedly, some of these guys had also basically posted on social media that they had making an indication that they were leaving the team. So some of these aren't you know completely out of left field. But that is a quite a long list of departures. But, you know, if um, this is where... Uh, their rugby journey ends you know we are obviously very grateful for their time in Arrow's colours and you know once an Arrow always an Arrow so we thank them for the stuff but as we've seen with uh, Avery Oiterman guys can take some time off they can come back you know doors always open if uh, if all the uh, all the stars align and you know
1: I'm sure all the fans at least would be more than willing to roll come all these guys back. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's a, that's quite a bit to, do you want to dive into anything a, a little bit deeper? Or that's quite a, quite a hefty wrap up for, uh, so what yeah, happens when you take about a month off, I guess.
0: I, I guess so. I think, uh, so obviously um, Razor Ramon Ayaza is quite a signing. I think interestingly in the article of um, American rugby news, they say that a third hooker is needed and, You know, they found that third hooker. So that seems to work out quite well for the Arrows. And, you know, definitely interesting to see what uh, Ramon will, uh, what impact he'll have with the team. And it's definitely be interesting to see. He's even uh, spoken that he's um, been speaking with uh, the Arrows coach, Francisco De Formes, regularly. Um, uh, He's been chatting with Pete, the Arrows staff, well, and his objective is to play for Ch- play for chile you know canada too at the world cup next year and believes that playing in mlr will give him the best chance and you know um you know incredible resume as well he helped um sa15 uh gain promotion to the d2 uh last season so he's had a couple of injuries, but he says that his body's feeling great, ready for a new challenge at a high level. Um, and like I said, a near decade of experience in uh, French rugby. He's even played for uh, Salknum. Uh, he's played alongside his brother at SA15 as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that he's going to be, he's a great signing to have. I think it's going to be really interesting what he does. Um, As for the departures, there are some that obviously I think for all the other teams, uh, so like guys that have been signed for another teams, we've already reported on it, like Sam Mace, Will Kelly, New England, Canada South, whatever you want to call them uh chris bell um he was signed as injury cover for the uh cursed scrum half position of the 2022 season played one game and got injured in that game as well actually played really well in that game Before he did play really well and it was i think what was really heartbreaking is when he did go down injured he knew immediately that his season was over um yeah, it seems like there have been a lot of changes, but there've also been a lot of new guys coming in that we've reported on, like all through last year, as well as. um
1: yeah, I, I was gonna say, yeah. I feel like I feel like we uh like Corey Thomas signing here is is a much bigger deal than you you seem to make it make. You kind of jumped over it like really quickly, but oh, that's
0: because um, we've got so much to talk about. I have to, well, yeah, get but through I, it at a certain
1: pace, but uh, um, no, but yeah, absolutely. Having but, a
0: guy, well, having a coach, a head coach. Who's lifted the shield, and having a player in the squad who's also lifted a admittedly lighter version of the shield is definitely worthwhile having for yeah. the hours going forward. So,
1: well, yeah, yeah, I,
0: I think that's a fantastic acquisition,
1: it's, and yeah, it's it's honestly it's probably it might be one of the best signings of the off season. Um, I'm sure we'll, we'll get into a a full list later, but, um, or later on in, uh, the, you know, as we build up to the start of the season, but yeah, you know, as you said, Thomas comes in, he played with the Guiltini. So he is obviously, you know, has that championship experience, um, after playing for the Guiltini that first year kind of burst onto the scene with the Canadian national team, um, so you got a little bit of a built-in chemistry and stuff already with a lot of the other arrows players that are on the Canadian national team. Um, he seems to fit in very nicely. Kind of looking at the roster um, with you know with as the locks right now. Um, lock and back row kind of looks very strong for the uh, for the Toronto arrows. I think, and I mean it's. Uh, it'll be interesting and kind of see how things, you know, shake out at training camp, which has begun this week. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, you know what I mean? It's like Mike Shepard, Mike Shepard's the captain or was the captain last year. So that is also kind of an interesting twist to it, but um, it'll uh, be interesting to see like how uh, Micah Torrance Reed kind of um, performs during camp too. um, And kind Mm -hmm. of see who starts, uh, you know, coming away with, uh, you know, earning those, that four and five Jersey at, um, you know, uh, for the, the home op- or the season opener. But I mean Thomas obviously really fits in at lock. We've talked about how um the there's there's a bit of depth in the back row for the arrows with like rumble O'Neill, um Rutten, Edie Larson um yeah. although Edie and Larson probably a little bit more of um eights. Um so it, it is interesting because you know rumble and, rumble o'Neal flesh obviously all have MLR you know, plenty of MLR experience. O'Neal, um, I kind of feel is really starting to come into his own in the second half of the season last year. Rumball has obviously proven time and time again to be, I don't know, for my money, the best flanker in MLR. Um, mm. and, you know, his breakdown still numbers. is so it's really... You know, it's the only argument you really need in that um, in that conversation. Uh, uh, Rutten, obviously, as a draft pick, that'll be interesting to see how he goes. Um, But either way, Thomas having that flexibility to go between um, the second row and the back row is a, you know, is a massive pickup for, for the Arrows to have a player of that caliber that you can kind of shift a little bit throughout the lineup if needed. So I'm really kind of excited to see that he's obviously, he's racked up plenty of tries for the Canadian national team in his 11 caps too. And, you know, um, LA again, last year he was part of one of the better teams in the league last year. And obviously, um, that ended in the most bizarre fashion imaginable, but, um, you know, he's got that, that, you know, MLR championship experience, right. Um, as you said, he's, uh, one of he's the only player on uh, the arrows to have won the shield, right? So that's obviously, you know, that is also a good thing to kind of have come into the room. So, like as you kind of mentioned with uh Ramon Arza, um, you know, obviously there was still there was clearly numerically a need for a hooker. Um, prior by the time we last recorded a podcast, so it's nice to see if they added one. Um, it's really nice too because it seems like. They've, the arrows front row seems a little bit bigger than last year. AR's as a bit of a taller hooker six one. Um, so, you know, that, that's nice picking up Hildebrand too. It's a good, you know, obviously he's played for the Pacific pride and Houston. So that's another uh, solid Canadian player that can come in, um, with obviously with Keith and Quatran heading out the door, right. It's, uh, you know, the front Mm. row is obviously an area that, uh, needed to be addressed and you know I think they did a pretty good job but then also there's obviously Denver fat too who was a draft pick so that's always curious to yeah. see how those guys go in their their first year because I kind I mean I kind of feel like I think the draft in mlR is a, really a lot of fun but it's um you know it, it still seems like a lot of the guys can kind of still be a little bit of I think there's still some question marks around how well the guys actually or end up performing like in the season or how much they even they even play obviously there's certain guys that stand out a lot more than others um Mm -hmm. from the previous draft classes but um i think that'll be fun i mean ultimately i feel like the pack looks really good um the back the back line um also looking also looking solid and i mean we're going to talk to uh talk to one of those uh players that's on the back line uh this uh later on but it's um you know it's a it's a solid looking team so i'm like i'm happy with the way that it's shaped out they uh you know, added a couple big names over the break, um, which are guys to get excited about. Um, Tim Matthews coming in, new VP, new GM. Um, excited to see what he does with the squad too. Obviously, uh, Mark Winokur um has a lot to do with, you know, bringing professional rugby to Toronto to and to Canada as a whole. Yeah. Um, he was massive, massive part of that. Um, so, you know, he should be obviously immensely thanked for um, his efforts and, you know, f- um, the creation of the Toronto Arrows and even going back to the Ontario Arrows days and, um, you know, the Ontario Blues and all the work that he's done for that. Um, mm-hmm. It looks like based on the press release, he's still sticking around the team. So um, hopefully, you know, it'll be nice to see him on like match days and stuff. Yeah um, and he, he retains his
0: position as co-founder and he well, now just becomes a senior advisor reporting to Bill Webb.
1: Perfect. Yeah. Um yeah, kind of fascinating uh, the uh how, you know, people seem to be the uh, I think the arrows seem to be kind of like shit like as um you know, as they we like move in the years on and stuff. It's like they kind of seem to be shifting a little bit in their organization. It's obviously um like Silverthorn went from like the head coach and then um he's uh then when Pete Smith became the head coach, silverthorne took another position within the club. Um, so it seems like Winnaker's sticking around too. It's you know, obviously the arrows always talk about their culture, and it seems like a lot of guys, you know, everybody's even if changes need to be made, they're finding a way to make it work like with everybody still there. Um, so it'll be interesting. So Matthews, um, obviously, you know, I'm I'm super excited to see, see what he does, see if there's any um any uh any moves that he's been made obviously it's you know it is uh you know maybe, maybe tough to be said how much of this roster is obviously mark winneker versus you know what players might be tim matthews going into this year but i mean going forward it'll be very interesting to see what kind of moves he makes um because that's uh you know obviously anytime you change your gm it's a very very noteworthy um event so i'm um, excited to see what he has and uh You know, it's um, obviously the first week of camp, so we got plenty of other news just from yesterday, basically, to go through.
0: Yes, so three teams have announced their um, starting 2023 squads. I say starting because, of course, injuries happen and new uh, guys need to come in to fill that gap. But for now, we have the teams, the full teams for Houston, NOLA, and Old Glory D.C. So starting off with Houston, look, we're just going to focus on Canadians. You know what this podcast is about. We have Rob Povey, who will be playing for the Sabre Cats once more, and uh, interesting enough, former Arrow Morgan Mitchell has also signed for Houston this season. So it'll be good to see him when he's not playing against Toronto. <laughs>
1: yeah, um, just, I think that was one of my favorite players for the Arrows in the the 2019 man he was a ton of fun to watch so absolutely it's, yeah. it's nice to see him back in the league even even if it's not with the arrows so yeah you know swings and roundabout we'll we'll take what we get and we
0: great to see uh morgan back even if it is well the good thing is he's playing in the other conference so there's only going to be one opportunity for okay. him to play against the arrows so it's all right all right we'll move on to nola and eric howard has been announced for Nola for another season.
1: Nice. Yeah,
0: I mean, I mean, it's got to be tough when you're the uh, only Canadian on your team, and you've got to be like, guys, I'm the reason why we're winning. But you can't tell them <laughs> that. You have to just. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, and for uh, DC, we have the announcement at uh, draft pick. Cali Martinez is with the team. Uh, Graydon Bound. Um, which may have been spoiled by Rugby Canada mm-hmm. and um, Old Glory Star Wars. Doug Fraser is back for DC, and uh, unfortunately, while Luke Campbell did previously announce that he was going to spend another year with um, DC, he has decided to announce his retirement on injury grounds. Now, Campbell has, um, you know, not only played for DC, he also played for the Arrows in their inaugural season. Uh, and as a Canadian international and a friend of the podcast, you know, we're really sad to see him go, but we wish him all the best in uh, the next steps of his uh, career, whatever that may be.
1: So to Luke, thank you so much. All the best. Yeah, man, Luke Campbell, he was a fun interview. It was a good time when we had him on, and obviously um, he has the the fun distinction of being the first former Arrow to play against the Toronto Arrows, so that's, uh, yeah, that's that'll true. be uh, your fun piece of MLR trivia. Um, that you can take with you for the evening. Um, Yeah, Martinez draft pick. That's obviously exciting. Great and bowed. Great to have another Canadian fly half in the league. Um, That's obviously something that's very needed. Eric Howard's is just a, you know, NOLA legend. Yeah. Like, right. You know, rugby can't retire numbers, but I feel like if, uh, if you could, he would uh, probably have his name. I guess he could probably do like a ring of honor or something. It'll be interesting to see what MLR teams do with uh how to honor players post career. Um, but I feel like Howard's gonna be one of those guys. Um Povey and po- you know, Povey again, same kind of thing for Great and Bow. Great to have more Canadian fly halves in the league. Um yeah. and uh Morgan Mitchell, yeah, welcome back. To- it's cool. Um yeah. Morgan Mitchell, technically not Canadian, but we're just acknowledging that for um, former arrowness. Technically, yeah. yeah. By technically not Canadian, I mean he's not Canadian.
0: But well, well, that's the, if you play for the hours, you're honorary Canadian. Honorary Canadian, right? I, right. I went, right. I, yeah, I went over this at the start. So. Yeah, right, right, right. Nope, you're, right. <laughs> you're right. You're right. All right. So now we're going to take an artistic twist because we've had two more kits in release since we last uh, saw you guys. We have had San Diego Legion have announced their home, away, and their camo kit, mm-hmm. and the Chicago Hand, Chicago Hounds have announced their home and away jerseys so i have uh so i'll start off with uh san diego um the home kit is a mixture of uh black to red with black shorts black socks the uh away kit is white mixed into black with white shorts and white socks and the camo kit is um you know that yeah well it's camo. it's kind of camo, camo, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's
1: in the name yeah
0: yeah, um, with uh black shorts and black socks. And it seems that their sponsor for the jersey this year is Kings and Convicts, which I'm not entirely sure. It's a brewery. It's a brewery. It's a brewery.
1: Oh
0: brewery. fantastic. So it's it's...
1: Kings and Convicts brewery. Um I know, is... I was, I Googled it as soon as I saw it. I'm like, that's a very interesting thing to have written on your jersey It's a brewery. Which, in all honesty, that's a really, really good brewery name. Yeah, and on these, uh, so on the
0: Home and Away kit, they have the logo of a Roman centurion, uh, so a legionnaire, I should say, on uh, the kit. And i got to say, this is a return to form of uh, kits for San Diego. I think, like, last year's weren't that great. No. This is definitely the San Diego from, like, 2018. Yeah. yeah, this is, the return of black and red just works so well, and you know it's great yeah. to see them.
1: Yeah, it does. Um, honestly, I think San Diego last year had my least favorite kit in the league. Um, didn't didn't like it at all. Um, mm-hmm. especially that one weird gold one. Like I don't know where the gold in the color scheme came from. Yeah, that was a. Uh choice yeah didn't like didn't like it at all nice to see them kind of as a little bit of like going back to basics here with the color scheme um i like the big legionnaire helmet on the waist that looks cool um and oh honestly kings and convicts thing too um it's a it's a good it's a good logo for the front of a jersey it's a nicely done sponsor integration it kind of it looks like it blends in with the kit nicely i love i like the white i like the the red and black um camo unless it's like military appreciation night um camo doesn't do much for me um but i yeah. know obviously a military appreciation night has been a big thing in the MLR. and um you know all the teams have been rocking camo kits um i think that's cool support like i think that's that stuff is cool um but just I don't know aesthetically camel doesn't really do much for me um uh you know if it's for the mil- if supporting the military and stuff that's fine but um just aesthetically it doesn't do much for me but that's just like kind of I guess a personal taste
0: yeah I get it I think but, well uh, looking back on those, San Diego like, in previous seasons they've yeah worn camo or like the army appreciation kit for like a number of games multiple games yeah which I think this yeah. is
1: what that is and it's like I said, it's like for for like the military appreciation stuff. I mean, go for it, all for that. But I never think they look that great, though. I'm just like, oh yeah, cool, support the military. But yeah, um, I don't know. I guess that's my design point on the camel jersey. Yeah. All right, let's uh, move on the new to- kids to the new kids. Yeah, new kids, Chicago. You know, it's uh, yeah. I'm not
0: 100 sure on the pattern that they Chicago has, but it does seem to be um, from what was like the tackle height line. So the area on a torso where anything above that line would be considered a high tackle. And that pattern goes um you know all around the jersey as well. So the home jersey is uh, predominantly white. Um the hounds logo paladin I believe will be in a matching green as well. You have the blues on the back and on the um arms and the sleeves and subtly there are the uh stars on that are from the chicago flag on the shoulders so i think that's a really nice touch and then the uh away jersey is basically the same but in black so i and you know matching shorts matching socks again uh, these are all computer generated images so can't really give a complete verdict i'd say these are inoffensive jerseys there's nothing about them that would uh, there's nothing about them that really like stands out at the moment hmm. but
1: it's also not the worst yeah. jersey
0: You're- i've ever seen yeah i know so, yeah
1: they're they're solid um they're they're solid in a nice way i mean the one thing it's like i think i've heard that like kind of i guess criticism of some rugby jerseys and it's always because it you know maybe they're like straightforward or whatever but it's like we're the sport where the most iconic team just rocks out in a solid black jersey right like yeah that's that's the that's the baseline that's a rugby iconic jersey right there it's just it's yeah. literally the team name is the All Blacks. They were all black. Like that's there's not much to the kit design. Um but I think for for Chicago here though, I really like the white one. I like that they they got they went with like a unique pattern. I love the star like the Chicago flag stars and like the little hound imagery that's sublimated around the shoulders. Um I really like the shield that's on the like on the back at the collar. I think yeah. that's cool. I like the number font. I think it looks really good. The I mean the black jersey is much the same. Like I think design-wise, I think it looks nice. My only like I guess my only gripe with it is like I I wish they used green or that they have a cool shade of blue in that color scheme too. I think I would have liked to see like a green and blue jersey um as opposed to a black because I mean, man, like like every team in this league is black at this point. Um, like if you look at the uh the, the so Chicago's gonna play in the Western conference, right, Stu? Yeah. Right? So the Western Conference, so we just did San Diego, black jersey. I mean, yeah. not every team has announced kits, but let's go through it. Seattle has a black now has a black jersey, mm. Utah, black, um, Dallas, black, um, Houston, Houston black. black right that's at, literally the whole conference is black has a black jersey
0: yeah right but then but, again you can argue that if the western conference are using black as their like away colors or their alternate colors in the same way that a lot of teams will have like a white jersey as their yeah. alternate
1: color but they're not doing that cuz teams have black and white jerseys that is true. San Diego, San Diego has a white jersey. Utah has a white jersey. Chicago's got a white jersey. Seattle's got a white jersey. The, all the teams are black, and then the uh, the other kit is still white. With the exception like Houston, at least last year, went with bright yellow, um, yeah. which is nice, but everybody... Well, well, Houston's it. always gone with... Yeah, which yellow. is great, though, because it's a nice... Uni- which is yeah. great. It's a unique color, and honestly, is one of my favorite kits in the league, normally. Well, um, the, the, but this is kind of what I mean by saying that um, the
0: Hounds... Uh, 23 jerseys are inoffensive. There's yeah, it's yeah. You know, I, 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 I I wouldn't I wouldn't put it in like the Hall of Fame of MLR yeah. jerseys. But, but you know, I if you're if you're getting new fans in and you've got like used to the my, North American standard of teams having like on, a dude. white jersey
1: and black is always slimming teams as well. Still have, but that's why I'm saying those like the teams that have the black jerseys still have white jerseys. Right, it's not like they're black yeah. and then a different color. And, yeah. and the league is using black as the white default, right? Because even if you go to the Eastern Conference too, right? Yeah. So that's the entire Western Conference. Atlanta's got a black jersey. New Orleans last year had a black jersey. Last year, uh, New York had a black jersey. There's three teams in the league that have, have yet to wear a black jersey. It's Toronto, New England, and Old Glory. Two of those teams are the same colors yeah. uh, themselves. And then you have Toronto that hasn't worn a black jersey. Or whatever, and is yeah. it the same colors? But it's like, there's, yeah. I, I don't know. I wish, uh, that's the one thing that makes me sad about Austin not being in this league is that it's like, oh, I like the bright orange, the color purple yeah. that no one wears. Yeah. I I think
0: what I'd like to see in 2024, or even as like a third jersey, yeah. is a uh, solid green. Green is like a primary back. color.
1: Yeah. Like, I would like, yeah, like that's. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what, like, even, like, Dallas and stuff, like, I would, like, like if Dallas, I mean, I know, obviously, Dallas is also green now, but if they went, like, green and white or something, or, like, yeah. um, like I don't know what their kits, I don't know what their kits are looking like, either, I think that's another thing that's, like, it's, like, I don't know, I feel like the kits should kind of, we're at training camp, I feel like they should be out by now. Um, yeah, I
0: think all, all kits should have been released at this point.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like ideally, and I know this is a weird off season, so maybe there's um, you know, the league kind of had bigger fish to fry for most yeah. of the off season, I think. Um, so like maybe th- like I'm willing to give a pass on it for for this year, but I think like I feel like the ideal time if the league is gonna start in February, like I feel like the ideal time to release the kits is like around American Thanksgiving. Yeah, and then people can do like it as part of like their Christmas shopping and stuff.
0: Yeah, that that is what right. they did uh, for like 2019 into yeah. 2020, and yeah. I I still don't understand why the league hasn't. Well, tried it's, to it's interesting that. because
1: like in previous years, it's been all 12 or all however many teams were in the league at the time. Yeah, at the same at once, and then right, this is the first year where it seems like teams are doing it on a team by team basis. And yeah. it just feels really slow and like drawn out and stuff. Like, I'll be honest. Like, in,
0: in my opinion, it feels unprofessional.
1: I don't know if I don't know if I would say it feels unprofessional, but it's just like I I feel like it feels like it's taken very long to release. Yeah, that. But that's that's the point. Unless... Is that
0: in with previous years? You've said you could add like a team. Like even when LA back in 2021 didn't have a an away kit to show yeah, to everybody ripping people. That. I thought that was yeah. unprofessional. Which is well. also this...
1: interesting because Chicago's released their kit before half the league. Yeah.
0: But that's but that's my point, is that I think that um if we're if the league is going to be releasing kits, and yes, you can say, you know, teams have can release their kits whenever they want to, but I think there yeah. should be a hard date set. I again before um, American Thanksgiving, I, saying that yeah, if I you would... have not released your kit by this date, we are going to do the, um, you know, like the league-wide uh, all kits reveal on this date. So you can either do it the same date, or we're going to do it. And you'll I mean, and you can pick before. And, and but that's just my
1: opinion. I like I, I don't know if that's necessarily the solution. Like, I don't think like I like the kit drop of it all at once a yeah. lot better than the way it's happened this year and yeah. the way it's been staggered out. That being said, it's like some of the teams, um, especially New England and Utah absolutely killed it with the way they dropped their kits yeah like that the, the videos and the media that they put out associated with their kit release was incredible um and i think that's uh they did both those teams did a really good job of that i just think like yeah like i mean like as a fan and stuff there's the curiosity of like i i want to see what my favorite team's kits gonna look like um especially yeah. when they, they take when when's the season starts what february 17th that's in what five weeks yeah, five or six weeks. Yeah, yeah. Five, six, five weeks. There's preseason games that are going to be happening in, like, four weeks, give or take, Um, right? So, it's there's preseason games that are going to be happening in, like, four weeks, give or take, right? So, it's, um, you know, it, it, it would be cool to kind of see, like, even a, a team like, say, like, Old Glory kind of did a little merch drop earlier today, and they got like, a little, like, I don't want to say it's, like, a new logo, but they kind of got, like, a new, like, word mark and things that they've been using. I'd be curious to see if that's going to be incorporated in some way on their kit for this year or, like, what teams are going to do. That being said, like, to be honest, like, I don't necessarily think that the MLR teams need to change the kit every year. Um, like, I, I think you can do a lot for, like, building your brand by wearing the same or similar things, um, similar kits year after year. I think it helps with a little bit of brand recognition, but it seems like the way that we've been going is that there's always new ones each year. So now it leaves you curious to see what they look like. Like, I mean, to, like, for example, like I love the arrows kit. If the arrows came out in the same kit they wore last year, I'm stoked. Cause I think yeah. it's like, like, right. But um based on the idea that every year there's new kits, I kind of want to see what the new kit looks like. Um, yeah, exactly. Right? And it's uh, it's very close to the seasons, but it's also it's very close to the season, and it's been a very long time since I believe Utah was first with theirs. Um, right. It just feel it's been a very long time, and we still yeah. haven't seen half the league. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think that's the main gripe for me is that if these had all been released in the space of like a couple of weeks, I'd be fine with it. But we've. We're now spanning. Yeah, like it's and it's been it, it's it's a drag at this yeah. point.
1: <sighs>
0: anyway, it's out of our hands. Hopefully, it can be resolved for next year. Yeah. Well. It's a new year, and that means new rugby happening because uh, Superliga America de Rugby uh, has expanded into the Northern Hemisphere and has officially rebranded as Super Rugby Americas. We did talk about this uh, previously last year, but we now have much more details that have come out. So uh, the big news is that uh, the 2021 champions, Jaguares 15, have uh been removed from super rugby americas but they will be replaced by two argentine teams uh, los dogos uh, 15 and they'll be basically called doba and pampas will be based in buenos aires uh los cafeteros pro the colombian team have uh, been replaced by the new expansion team which are the american raptors based in colorado uh, Olympia Lions uh, with Paraguay have rebranded to Yacare 15, and Salknum, who are the Chilean team, Panarol, the Uruguayan team, and Cobras 15, the Brazilian team, remained completing their seven teams for the 2023 season. This will be a 12-rounds home and away fixtures over 14 weeks. So the American Raptors will be spending the start of their season in. Um, South America before coming back and doing their home games and then finishing off uh, their season in South America. And it's been announced that the semi-finals and finals, which will consist of the top four teams of the league, um, no matter who wins those, including the American Raptors, all of those games will be held in South America. So, is it a new competition that's coming forward? And I believe at the time of recording, we do have um, fixture date announced. The first round of fixtures will be on the weekend of February 18th with the final round taking place on the 26th of May and the semi-finals and finals taking place within the first two weekends of June. So, you know a uh shorter calendar than mlr but obviously there's fewer teams and it works like three games um each round with the team getting a bye, to and then yeah so total of 14 rounds it, you know it's going to be interesting to uh keep in touch unfortunately there is no um canadian team despite that rumor uh existing when we previously reported it um It was considered that the Pacific Pride were the team that was going to be taking part. However, it has been reported that they will not be joining and it is believed that uh, costs involved uh, the primary reason why the Pride will not compete, despite being initially um, being offered uh, considerable financial backing by World Rugby. I think we also mentioned that the Pride have a season... Of rugby already lined up and basically it would be a case of as soon as that finish Super Rugby Americas would begin so basically no rest time for any of the players and yeah and as I mentioned costs you know just keep adding and it's just uh, I don't think it would have worked out maybe there'll be an option for 2024 we will see
1: but I mean yeah I'm not too disappointed that the Pacific Pride aren't in this um even yeah. like even the Raptors it seems weird that they're in this too um it's, yeah, i um, think i think, think it's one went, of these they went really quickly from we're going to build a team of um like athletes from other sports and try to convert them to rugby players to kind of reverting back to what the Glendale Raptors were um yeah i you know, like yeah so you know, um, as you mentioned, that's uh, Siaki
0: Bikilani has yeah. been selected for the American Raptors
1: uh long well training squad. Yeah, a handful of other MLR players too. And a lot of and the funny and nutly enough, too, like based on what the Raptors camp was saying when they left MLR, there's a handful of foreign players on the team too. Yeah, but, it's uh
0: yeah, yeah, you know, very I mean, uh,
1: I, to each their own, I guess. People, yeah. Well, you know, things Change that
0: happened in 2020 time. don't necessarily yeah. reciprocate in 2023. Uh, you know, um, yeah. yeah you're the, the mayor of Glendale, who has no input in the team whatsoever, yet is involved at every single yeah. level. Yeah. You know, he uh, <laughs> he may have an input and yeah. of uh, well, his opinion rather, because you know he he's not with the team. He's just yeah. there in every single sentence and every yeah. syllable that comes out. Um, but as we'd say, uh, I'm curious to see how they do in this, yeah. I, I think that's the big thing. So, we do have like some names from LMR, like uh, Christian Osberg is in the squad, yeah. Brian James as well. Yeah, your favorite uh, player, you have to watch favorite one. American player, get it right. Come on, man, we do this every time. Um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and also, as we mentioned, Siaki Fikilani as well. Yeah. Um, so there's is a fair number of MLR talent in the this uh, preseason roster, at least, and it'd be interesting to see how things unfold um, with the season itself. Uh, obviously, only uh, three of the teams uh, officially continue from uh, SLAR. So, yeah, it's going to be uh, definitely interesting to see how this all unfolds. But, you know, may have it on a bit on the back burner, obviously, because MLR will be running at the same time. Now, before we carry on, uh, it... World Rugby have announced some law changes um, for the game that have now since come into effect from when this announcement first came out. So we'll just uh, blast through these in the bullet point form. Uh, Conversions are to be taken within 90 seconds. Penalty kicks within 60 seconds. Uh, The referees will crack down on Mm time-wasting. Teams must be ready to form the scrum within 30 seconds of the call. Referees are asked for less reliance on TMOs, Uh, there'll be fewer water carrier interventions, uh, the crackdown of players off their feet at the rug, and a clarification on deliberate knock-ons. Now, some of those things, um, if you're a fan of MLR, may seem pretty familiar, especially the uh, penalty kicks within 60 seconds. Well, it seems as though world rugby have been doing these trials um across the world and different competitions and it seems that they want to get the flow of rugby um moving much faster than it currently is so obviously having the conversions to be taken within uh 90 seconds and penalties within 60 seconds i think this is a great continuation from what we've seen in mlr i think the big one is teams must be ready to form the scrum within 30 seconds of the call. Now, Derek, you you know that I'm not a fan of what MLR currently has in place of only allowing one scrum reset, (laughs) but I definitely think having a scrum ready to go within 30 seconds, I think that is going to help speed up the game much faster as well. Stop the clock. Just
1: stop the clock.
0: Well, I... So, it's, it's not. It's not so much the clock; it's uh, the actual action that's awesome. going on.
1: You still, you still get all the time of the actual action. Just stop the clock. They're saying that you want to crack down on time wasting. It's like just you want to crack down on time wasting. You want scrums to be so. Just stop the clock. There's no advan. Then there's no advantage of taking your time.
0: I think this is more from a spectator perspective rather than yeah. on-field perspective.
1: That's fine, but it's like it's the same thing. It's like, how come that rule only applies to a scrum? How come it doesn't apply to a line out? How come it doesn't apply to um any other scenario? Why is it only the scrum? It well, feels it, like it, it to be honest, I think it's it. been done because
0: World Rugby have seen yeah. which of the set pieces take the longest to form. Uh yeah. so, so when they talking about crackdown on time wasting, they are that is a case of like telling players to hurry up and form the line
1: out. You know what fixes that, though, is you stop the clock and then you still like take take for like, I mean, for example, you can compare two sports that uses like uh, like the like American football, American Canadian football. You have certain situations where the clock keeps running and you, you stop, right? The ball is probably what in play for like 12 minutes of the 60 minutes that it takes a game. Yeah, right. Versus, say, hockey where you stop the clock every single time. The puck is in play for 60 out of the 60 minutes. Like, you can stop the clock, and it'll... You you get more rugby if you stop the clock. That's all I'm saying. It's, like, if you don't want teams to waste time, just... And, like, teams will probably set up the scrum faster if there's no advantage to... Like, why do scrums take so long to set up? Why do scrums later in the game take a long time to set up? Because one team's like, we can milk the clock. Every single team in the world does it. Right? That's why like I can see where
0: you're coming from,
1: but I think it it like I think the idea of like stopping the clock
0: doesn't or what they found hasn't addressed the issue of um that's fine, you know, plays taking longer and fans being as I just said,
1: American football, the most popular sport on our continent, stops the clock every two seconds. For some reason, people love it. I don't personally get it.
0: I w- yeah but maybe as well as that yeah. um American football also has more of a following and there's the idea of basic which is basically what rugby doing now is like if you, know you if you were to do I, American football now it's it's it would probably yeah. have the same
1: issues I, as well the thing is is it's like <laughs> I think part of it is it's like we have a version of rugby that does this right, where the scrums are really quick, they're also uncontested and kind of feel pointless and boring. Um, there is a version of rugby where that kind of exists, uh, which is obviously rugby league. But I, I think the, the scrum, having to set up the scrum in within like 30 seconds and stuff as like a little arbitrary time limit um, just kind of feels like one of those things that's probably fixing a problem that the game doesn't have or that the people that enjoy it. like when was the last time you were like literally like oh i wish the scrum was going was like being set up faster like do you think that during a game
0: no but i think that's the point that's being made is that they're wanting to get new fans in to the sport, like, and they want to grow. They, if they want to actually grow the game, that means they have to spread out what? to people who.
1: Is a who... new fan more likely to watch rugby because a scrum got set up in twenty-five seconds as opposed to thirty-five? Probably. That 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 whole ten sec. That the whole extra ten seconds is. Yeah, because from their perspective, if.
0: Things continually stop and start, and unlike American football, if one team's uh, going off or coming back on, uh, or oh, there's yeah. constant movement on the pitch, that's what's going to keep like new fans uh, engaged. I think that's the conclusion that they've drawn. So is I'm that, willing to let this right? play out and see yeah. how it goes.
1: I just, I guess, my whole thing is, I hope, like the sport and stuff like i understand obviously it needs to be like a reach for like new fans and stuff um and things should be done that help you know create new fans and i'm all for that i just think some of these just kind of like especially like yeah fewer water carrier interventions um you know obviously the crackdown on time wasting there's very much like seems to be a thing of like, maybe like, uh, do they feel like these games are too long or is there too much period of inactivity or something? But my concern is, is it's like, is that targeting something that's not really a problem with attracting new fans? Cause new fans also come from other games and stuff. Like say, if you're, if you're looking to attract like a North American fan, it's like, in all honesty, that's something that you're used to. Right. As you said, football, hockey hockey as i mentioned hockey as i mentioned even though the pucks and play for the full 60 minutes lots of periods of stopping right if you go to a hockey game live you have to sit and watch people shovel snow off the ice for 45 seconds every like eight minutes right so it's like people are like is that i'm just that's all i'm just like i guess my whole thing is i hope it's like i will i'm down to see how it works and maybe i'll watch it and i'll like it i just hope it's not something that's just like We got to change this for we have to change this thing that nobody's necessarily really complaining about, because even like MLR fans, you do the two scrum reset because that's supposed to make the game faster and everyone hates it. Right. So I'm just like, I just hope we're not just changing things to be like, let's just kind of make it fast for the sake of changing things, but not actually identifying the problems or parts of the game that people don't want to see. That's the well, only I, I, thing i I'd be interested to see that if having
0: this 30-second
1: yeah.
0: um, call time actually makes scrums happen faster, and then, oh, if that's the case, then you can have uh, three... How? I'd say and then then move it to three scrums, and then
1: you have yeah, the case maybe. of, oh, the, well, if you're in the opposition, uh, five... How long does the average scrum take to set up? Like, honestly, it's something I've never even... Clearly longer than 30 seconds. That's what I'm I'm saying. Like, I've honestly never thought of it before. And even, like, the kick time and stuff, like, like, even, like, watching MLR, it's like, there's very, like, out of the entire season, there's very few instances where it feels like the guy's actually getting close to the time limit. Like, there's a couple that are there. Obviously, there's some moments where the wind blows the ball off the tee, and the guys got to, like, reset it, and then they got to rush that. But, yeah. like, I feel like most guys are getting it off, like, getting their kickoff, like, well within the time still. Or, you know what I mean? And I'm just like, ah. yeah. like that's my curiosity is, like, are we trying to fix problems that don't exist? And is that going to not really? Because I think the scrum reset rule is trying to fix a problem that doesn't exist, and it sticks and i just don't want the same i just don't want the same things to be constantly happening or whatever maybe mm-hmm. i'm wrong well, maybe maybe i'll yeah, we'll actually really the, enjoy these rules yeah. so, like i'm not saying i'm yeah, not that,
0: I I, i'm good. saying that i'll give them a try and if yeah. they if they're great great and if they're not then that yeah, can be a exactly. discussion right and, at the time
1: yeah exactly that's fair right. i've just never thought of how long it takes a scrum to set up before all right but now i
0: am so yeah, so as we say, it's the start of a new year, that means we've got an entire year of rugby uh, seasons and competitions to take part in. Uh, so if there's going to be a lot of rugby happening this year and you want to know where to find it, so the World 7 Series, that will be continuing on CBC. If you're looking for the Premiership or URC, that will be on Sportsnet. The Champions and Challenge Cup will be on epcrugby.tv. And if there are any Canadian national games, none have been announced at the time of recording. Um, We're hoping they'll be on TSN. What we can definitely know for sure is that the 2023 Rugby World Cup in France, those games will be shown on TSN. Uh, The Arrows haven't, or, or the Arrows have yet to announce their broadcasting partner. It has been TSN in the past. Maybe it's a continuation this year. When that comes through, we'll let you know. And all other Um, MLR games can be found on the Rugby Network. Now, as we said, we've got a player, the first interview of 2023 coming up, and it's also the first new signing for the Toronto Arrows for 2023. And just like that, we are back. And we are not only just back, we are back with our very first guest of 2023. The first new signing announced for the Toronto Arrows for their MLR 2023 season, all the way from Australia, Nick Ben. Nick, thank you so much for joining us.
2: No, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, likewise. So
0: we ask the same questions as we do for anyone when they're on the podcast. Um, So we want to know what got you started in rugby to begin with?
2: So I first probably started when I moved back to Australia. I was pretty keen on um keen on playing rugby again. All my, most of my mates all talked about rugby at school and stuff. So I did actually start off with um, with league. I started playing league when I was younger in Newcastle. It's a big rugby league city and so all young kids play. And then um, there wasn't a union team nearby that had a team in my age group. So I pretty much just waited my time until there was. And then as soon as there was, I jumped straight into it and yeah, made the move from league to union.
1: I guess, uh, is there anything specific that influenced that decision to go from league to union? So, obviously, like, league's pretty big in Australia still, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it is massive. I think my old man, he always, just in a joking way, said, oh, don't play league. Don't play league. Play (laughs) union. It's the better game. So, i probably listened to him a bit in that. And, um, yeah, also, I just enjoyed it a bit more. As soon as I played it, I picked it up a bit easier, and I just enjoyed it flowed a bit more. I found that Mm -hmm. league sometimes a bit so repetitive, um, repetitive. So as soon as okay. yeah, I made the move to Union, I enjoyed it so much more. And just, yeah, I felt like I was at home more than playing league.
0: Obviously, your dad had a pretty big influence on you choosing yeah. uh, Union over League. Were there any yeah. other figures that um, helped you once you made that transition over to the 15s game?
2: Yeah, I think um, my coach, I had the same coach actually all throughout juniors. from So from yeah. under 12s all the way through to like under 18s, we yeah, had the same coach. Um, he was awesome. He just—he didn't have a kid in the team or anything. He just just loved rugby, and he just yeah wanted to stick around with our team, and he followed us all the way through through our juniors. So it was pretty special. So it almost yeah, you wanted to just play well every game for him. Almost he was a yeah, he was a good figure for all of us to look up to. He's still still involved with Lake Macquarie Roos now. Yeah, he's a pretty special guy. And uh,
1: so, if you you kind of had that influence, um, obviously you know playing rugby from a young age so uh you as you said your dad had a big impact some coaches uh yeah. from the moment you were a, uh, a kid um is there anybody that you kind of as a fan growing up in australia too like that kind of you really looked up to any players um or you know any anybody that you just really enjoyed watching play and uh you know maybe tried to you know inject a little bit of uh their game into yeah. yours
2: yes yeah, so obviously when um Growing up, Israel Folau was always the biggest, the biggest name in Australia rugby. He was massive. He just the things he did was so, so awesome. And I think as a fan, that was probably he was a big draw when he moved to um, Union. He just lit up the super rugby and he was pretty special to watch. But someone I've probably always looked up to the most and tried to emulate um, in playing is probably um, Conrad Smith from New Zealand. I've just always loved the way he played. He, um, like same position, so I've always sort of looked up to him. He's pretty smart. He's a very smart rugby player, and he's always just at the right place at the right time, and just yeah, always did his role. And yeah, he's a pretty special player, and I always loved, and I still love watching him, watching his highlights, even though he doesn't play anymore.
1: Are uh, Aussies allowed to say they looked up to All Blacks?
2: <laughs> I mean, they're the best to ever do it, so I think so. Oh. <laughs>
1: I think we're learning why you have moved to canada now you might have, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. is it because yeah, oh. yeah
0: they found out yeah uh, exactly they, uh, he's, uh, yeah.
1: Leave. there's some legal
0: reasons yeah. he's here as well sporting amnesty I believe. Cool. um so speaking of um coming to canada now you were uh born in australia but moved yeah. over for a few years um for your childhood uh to smithers in british columbia and you mentioned yeah. um you grew up playing hockey and then a uh, bit of an issue with uh, finding ice in australia to play on and that helped uh make the change to rugby so just of um interest of like are you, have you uh remained a fan of hockey whilst being in australia and i actually did a bit of research that the, the sydney bears and the ice dogs that play at the same arena have you managed to catch a Sydney ice hockey game?
2: Yeah, so I actually, when I moved back to Australia, I played for a year. Um okay. Nice. I just, I loved it. I When I when I lived in Smithers, I loved playing hockey. I enjoyed it so much. It's a pretty awesome sport to be a part of. And, yeah, when I moved back, I played for a team called the Newcastle North Stars. And, yeah, I played one year, but, yeah, as you said, it's pretty hard to come by. And, um and traveling into Sydney every weekend to play because there's no other local teams nearby it was pretty tough for mm-hmm. my parents as well because I was only young yeah. at the time. But yeah, I still still really enjoyed watching it. My dad loves it. He watches every Oilers game. He's a diehard Oilers ah, okay. fan. So, nice. So nice. it's finally nice to see them sort of putting a few wins together. I think he had to follow them through a bit of heartbreak for a few years
1: well i mean like we're we're from toronto so i mean if you want to have yeah. a heartbreaking hockey fan base heart to heart here uh, yeah. like you we, we're, we're in the right place but yeah. yeah i mean at least you guys get to watch mcdavid and dry sidle but i don't know if that makes yeah. you. i don't know if that makes you feel worse when the oilers inevitably get bounced in the <laughs> second round too
2: oh yeah it's pretty pretty devastating but they yeah pretty special players there um, they're crazy they're Advice
1: crazy. you might want to, if you're an Oilers fan, you might want to avoid James O'Neill um, in any cocky related conversations. Yeah. Just a, just no, I
2: see, him, I see him at training walking around in his Calgary Flames hat. I'll, I'll see I've seen him. We've been showing up into each other a little bit already.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, or maybe, yeah, maybe just go directly talk <laughs> to him anyway. So, yeah, it's a, I mean, it's probably it's team bonding, right? It's
2: that's really, yeah, it is. Time. It's always been nice to have a bit of banter and stuff like that around the random odds
1: yeah um my one random australian hockey fact that i picked up while um at my previous job was that australia has the second oldest hockey trophy behind the stanley cup it's called the Goodall. really they've, yeah it's, they've been, really? it's the <laughs> hl championship trophies the Goodall cup it's been around since 1911 Jeez. that was my, wow. my one piece of random hockey knowledge i actually i yeah Plenty of random hockey knowledge questions to kind of toss out there. But yeah, that was my one like Australian
2: specific one. Yeah, I would not, I would not pick that at all. No, no, we we didn't yeah.
1: think of it either until the trophy was like in front of us, and we're like, oh, this is really old. And then yeah, that's crazy. All right, going from hockey back
0: into rugby. After all, this is a rugby podcast. I know we have a tradition yeah. of talking about another sport. <laughs> when uh, we do any of these episodes. So you know, keeping the tradition going. It's all fine. Um so during high school you played for Lake Macquarie Rugby Club, a club that's yeah. now nearly a hundred years old. Uh what does it mean to be part of a club with such a rich history?
2: Yeah it was um it's really special. It's a great club and it's um plays a pretty important role in that community as well. So yeah I was pretty honored to play for them and swear i Originally, like, fell in love with the game, so it's super special to me to be a part of that club. And yeah, it's I, I try to get back and see everyone there as much as I can whenever I'm back in Newcastle visiting my parents. But yeah, it's such a it's such a special club, and it's just, you see the same faces every time you go back. And some of the guys are still playing even though they got their kids their own. They're playing, which is pretty special to see. But, yeah, they just they love rugby at Lake Macquarie, and yeah, it's really special to be a part of, part of that club.
1: Yeah. And, um, you've also played for, you got some, uh, Australia under 18s experience as well as like the world school sevens. What were uh, those experiences like being able to uh, represent Australia on a international level?
2: Yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was super special to get to represent, um, Australia in the under 18 sevens. It was, I was pretty honored. Um, it sort of came out of nowhere. I wasn't really expecting it and I got selected in the team and yeah, I sort of just put my head down and, yeah, trained pretty hard. And yeah, it was an awesome, awesome experience. And uh get to meet a lot of other players from other teams as well. We boarded with the um with the American guys and they were awesome as well. And yeah, it's a super, super good tournament. I'd highly recommend it to anyone that's going to play. You'll have a really good time and play some really good footy as well. Do you have do you prefer sevens or fifteens? Oh, I prefer 15s for sure. I'm probably built more for sevens, but I definitely <laughs> like 15s more. I like the contact and the physicality of it, and more of the just tactical as well. It's a bit longer as well. Sevens is over pretty, pretty quick.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say when, when you signed uh America's rugby news had a little highlight reel of yourself posted in the first like three minutes of it is just tackles. And I was yeah. like, I feel like this guy enjoys uh a certain side of the ball, perhaps.
2: Yeah, yeah, I do I like defending.
0: Yeah,
2: I do enjoy <laughs> yeah. it.
0: Uh so about that uh world uh the school sevens competition that took place in New Zealand, is that correct?
2: Yeah, yeah, it was in Auckland. Uh, yeah, just um, outside of Auckland. It was pretty pretty cool. Yeah. Did you get to... Because like,
0: ex- uh, obviously, um, you know, obviously you say like league and obviously Aussie rules football, uh, some of yeah. like the biggest sport in Australia. But in New Zealand, of course, like union is like leagues above it's, it's like any a, other... It's a religion, national... yeah. Exactly. So did... Uh, was there like a bit of a culture shock with seeing like... You're thinking like, oh, yeah, I'm a rugby union player and then seeing... Uh, what it means to people in New Zealand?
2: Yes, yeah, yeah, it is crazy. Um, the amount of people that just showed up to watch the games was ridiculous, and yeah, the New Zealand boys were were really good. They had a few teams, actually, mm. but their main main squad was yeah, they were amazing, and I'm pretty sure they their team had been put together for almost a year, just training for that for that tournament. Oh, wow. They um yeah they were I think they ended up winning it in the end, and mm. yeah they were. They were pretty special, and just to see, yeah, when they won, they uh, the way they celebrated and stuff like that was pretty cool as well.
1: Obviously, um, prior to joining the Toronto Aeros, you've been playing for the uh, the Manly Marlins, um, the Shoot Shield, and you you also kind of uh, you you were part of their uh, under twenties program and uh, worked your way up to the uh, the, the the top squad. And so what was uh, kind of your motivating factor to initially link up with uh, the Manly Marlins and um, how'd you kind of get started with that program?
2: Yeah. So I always grew up watching the shoot shield and yeah, I'd always watch it on TV with my dad and just watching it was so fast and physical. I always wanted to play and I always knew that to excel and go further in rugby, I suppose I had to be in Sydney. Like that's where the rugby is the most popular and that's where it the game's growing so much. So I knew that when I finished up school in Newcastle, I decided to, I played a few, I played a few sevens tournaments down in Sydney and I sort of got, you could say a bit of exposure, sort of. And then I got talking with a manly coach and I had a few friends going down there as well. That sort of helped. So I had a few familiar faces before, um, joining them. And so we all moved in together and got a shared house and yeah, played, started playing under twenties for them and I loved it and I've been there ever since up until now.
0: So yeah, you, uh, so you started with the Manly Under-20s program. Um, yeah. Can you describe how it felt to be called up to like the first 15 for Manly and playing in the Shoot Shield? Because obviously Shoot Shield's changed over um, the years and you know, has very storied history, but as um, someone who competes in that, um, Talking to two guys from a country where it's very difficult to follow the shoot shield mm. along, uh, yeah. can you just describe how the season normally goes or went for you, I should say?
2: Yeah. So the season, no, it sort of, it starts about April and runs through to um, to March. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Starts April, March and runs through to um, August, finals in August. And yeah, it is a pretty, pretty cool, cool competition. I'm pretty honoured to say I've played there and yeah I've loved my time at at manly and just following off your question it's pretty special to get caught up and playing their first 15 side especially when i was still in the under 20s program I think it helped develop my game a lot just seeing the physicality and speed to play with old guys that have been playing for so so much longer and just for them to share a lot of knowledge I guess probably helped a lot to develop my game and yeah I've been I've loved it ever since I got to play a full year in the first 15 side before coming over here and it was really special we had a pretty awesome year with a great great group of guys
1: Do you have a favourite moment favourite memory or anything that's really stands out um, from playing in the Shoot Shield or from the um, your full season last year?
2: Yeah definitely um, we've got a the a big a big game happens twice a year called the Battle of the Beaches against a team called Ringer and they're just about 10-15 minutes up the road from us and it's a, it's a big deal on the northern beaches of Sydney um, pretty much everyone that lives in the area comes down to watch it and we won this year at the Ringers home ground on the um, I think it was the 100th meeting that they had together so that was pretty special that we um, we got to win that game it was a nail went down, right down to the to the final hooter so that was yeah probably the most special moment i've had playing rugby I'd, I'd say it was pretty awesome to get to win that
1: sounds like a hell of an experience um if uh so moving moving on a little bit you have now as you mentioned at the start of the show you were the first player that the arrows announced as a new signing for the upcoming season um how did you end up linking up with the uh the toronto
2: arrows yeah so i got a um I just got a, a message from a friend of mine, um, who I played with at at Manly, just saying, um, my agent like manager's um, he wanted your number and um, do you mind if I pass it on to him? I was like, yeah, sure, no worries. And then I spoke to him and he said, yeah, there's an MLR team that's interested. And I was, I sort of always, I knew about Toronto Irish because I've been following the MLR. I was like, oh, they'd be pretty cool if it would be them because I'm Canadian and that'd be mm-hmm. pretty special to go over there and play. And it was and. Then I, yeah, started talking um, to Pete and some of the um, to Bill Webb, the owner as well, and Mark Winnaker at the time, the manager. And I had a few yeah Zoom calls and stuff. And yeah, it's pretty pretty special. I was sort of pinching myself when it was all happening. I was pretty excited. And yeah, when they offered me offered me a contract, not long after, I was yeah, I was pretty quick to sign. I was pretty excited.
0: Yeah, because. Uh- Pete, when we interviewed him uh, just before the holidays, was saying that um, well, obviously as head coach, he has to keep an eye out for who he wants in the yeah. squad and pieces, and like saying that some guys he's like had an eye on. Obviously, also we've noticed a lot of uh, guys from Australia, which have Canadian eligibility, seem to be coming into this uh, squad. And
2: yeah, there uh, is a few. There's definitely a few this year as well. There's a few yeah. of us least, which is nice.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well obviously having that Canadian passport certainly helps with uh making those visas disappear and uh Yeah, oh, definitely like, moving along, definitely. definitely. Um definitely. so uh at the time of recording it is the uh tenth of January, um and preseason has officially kicked off. Um so how's pre season going so far? And also is this your first Canadian winter on Eastern Standard Time?
2: Um yeah, so pre season's been awesome. We've um, had almost a week of sessions now, and it's yeah, I'm loving it. Everyone's so, so welcoming, and they're all such great guys. And it's awesome just to, yeah, put your head down and get some work done. And yeah, it is my first, first winter over this side. Um, and yeah, the guys, all the local guys are saying it's unusually warm, which very, I'm still finding it pretty cold. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, they're very saying warm. it's, yeah, 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 they're, a, yeah, they're uh, saying it's like three degrees is pretty warm, but I'm still pretty cold.
0: <laughs> oh, j- just wait till it gets to February and uh, a cold yeah, snap happens and then That's you're... what they've
2: all been saying as well, so I'm just nervously yeah. waiting for that. Have you had
0: to buy a winter coat or do you get one from the team?
2: Oh, yeah. We've got a few um, nice big warm jackets, which is nice, and I got- My parents got me one for Christmas, which is pretty nice, nice as well. I'd definitely. been putting it to good use, put it on most most times I leave the house.
1: That's a that is recommended. Even though it is, we're saying it's warm. It's really you should be kind of bundle up still a little bit. It's probably probably for the yeah
2: day. yeah. It's definitely been been a bit of a shock, but I'm I'm really enjoying it. It's nice when we got our training facilities are all really nice as well. So it makes it super comfortable to train in. Which is yeah, awesome. yeah,
1: for sure. The domes are clutch around the city. At the yeah, start.
2: oh, yeah. they're so they're so cool. It's Pretty amazing. Walk into one every time.
1: And, um, so could you, you know, as a player, you're just coming into the Eros MLR training camp. Um, I don't think necessarily like a lot of fans really know what kind of goes on. So, can you get us just saying maybe like walk us through what like the first two, I guess, one or two days of training camp is like and what, what are you guys like actually kind of doing on like the first couple of days?
2: Yeah. So, um, The first day I got there was just all of our medicals and stuff, so we just got that all the way and had a few meetings just to get to know everyone. And then, yeah, the second day was um, just straight into it. We have gym and we got a gym just across from our training facility, which has been really good, keeping everything nice and close, just walking distance, which is awesome. So we got gym and skills in the morning, just in our little separate groups that we have, and then we go have lunch and lunch has been provided for us and it's been awesome as well. Super good. And then we have a big team training session in the afternoon with conditioning and stuff like that. And then, yeah, we're free to go home. But, yeah, I'm really enjoying it so far. It's been awesome to be able to train full-time and, and not have to worry about working on the side to get by.
0: So how long have you been in Toronto as of yet?
2: Uh, a week today. A week oh, okay. today. All right.
0: Yeah. So so have you been able to adjust your body clock and...
2: Uh... Yeah, over jet lag, thank you. Yeah. yeah, that was a bit rough for the first few days. It's a bit <laughs> tired and a bit. my body's probably a bit confused, but yeah, I'm past it now, which is really good. And yeah, into yeah, the no. swing of things.
0: Have the uh, have the other guys on the squad given you any suggestions for like touristy places to go to while you're in Toronto?
2: Yeah, so I, I actually, a big group of us went into like downtown um, on the weekend, we had the weekend off training and yeah, we went up the sand tower, which is pretty cool. Nice. It's pretty, pretty ner- yeah. nerve wracking up there actually, it's pretty high <laughs> I, up.
1: I hate it's, it. It's, uh, it's, it's t- yeah. yeah. I hate it. At the yeah, class that, floor?
2: I don't. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't walk over there without getting head spins. I was, yeah. I was pretty, I was pretty quick to get back in the elevator and head down. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, so are, you're not gonna do the edge walk anytime soon. Is that on the uh, the t- Toronto tourism list? Oh no! Is that when you go <laughs> up,
2: up higher? Yeah, yeah. No. That's, you hang off like a bungee cord yeah. at the top awesome. of the tower. Yeah, one of, my roommate was pretty. He was like, looking at it, going, yeah, yeah. We should only like this much more money. We should go up." And I was, "No way. There's no way I'm doing that." Did anybody do well, it? My legs. I don't think my legs yeah. would physically let me do it.
0: Oh, if, if you think the wind is cold from ground level, oh. at the top of the CN Tower is going to be far worse. Yeah,
2: yeah. Even walking out the elevator, that little gap, you can feel it rushing up through there. And was yeah, like, yeah. Was oh like, no, yeah, I have no is, idea. It is super, super cool view of the city though. It's pretty special. Yeah. Pretty nice. Really
1: nice view of the city. You got to go make yeah. sure you go on a clear day though, or else you just look yeah. at clouds. So I yeah, hope that it was is up um, on a clear day.
2: Yeah, it was on. What was on? It was Saturday, and it actually cleared up to be a really nice day. And we were walking nice. around, and yeah, it was pretty. Yeah, it was a really nice day actually. It's it probably the coldest day I've been here, but yeah, it was really nice. Had a really good time.
1: Do you have any like Toronto bucket list items, or have you uh, been uh, around long enough to, I guess, like build up that list?
2: Oh no, I've definitely got some things I'd love to do. I mean, all the boys are pretty keen to go to the Raptors game and the Maple Leafs game, so I'd like to. Like to hopefully on a weekend when we have off, just to go get down and see see a Maple Leafs game and a and a Raptors game. I think it'd be pretty cool. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's uh it's tough to argue, tough to argue with that one. Um Yeah. So one of the things that um we are also obviously um very curious about, um, and you kind of mentioned it in the press release when you were signed. Um you, you obviously are a Canadian eligible player. You have now moved to Canada to play professional rugby. Um, Do you have your eyes set on wearing a Maple Leaf one day?
2: Yeah, I mean, I've always wanted to um, push myself to the highest level possible. And, I mean, playing for your country is the, the highest highest honour that you can get to the epitome of the game. So I think if that opportunity ever presented itself, I would definitely take it. So I guess we'll just... You will say, yeah, but definitely if the opportunity ever arose, I'd probably I would take it, yeah.
0: Well, it's also, I and mean, then like, obviously it's uh, not something you need to get like this second, but obviously something that you can get in the future. And then mm-hmm. representing Canada qualifying for the next World Cup, which just so happens to be held in Australia. So yeah, would be pretty cool if, if uh, Canada can qualify for that. You know, maybe your parents don't need to fly all the way around the world <laughs> yeah. to see you play in the. The Maple Leaf jersey, yeah, just uh, just on yeah, the back special. of your mind when uh, making those, yeah, that would
2: be, oh. yeah that'd be pretty special, It'd be pretty cool. Oh,
0: well, we obviously wish you all the best in that, endeavor. yeah, thank you. But, uh, but before we can start talking about uh, games that are going to be happening in like the summer or whenever they are, we have to be talking about uh, much closer time frame about six weeks from now when uh, the 2023 MLR season uh, kicks off now. Uh, Toronto begin their um season in Atlanta there's also been you know some changes Austin and LA have been removed Chicago have been added and because of the conference system there'll be some teams that come to Toronto some teams that Toronto will be going out to are there any locations that you're looking forward to getting the opportunity to go visit whether that be uh, playing the guys in the stadium, or just exploring like the city and the surrounding area.
2: Yes, I'll be pretty excited. We've got an away game in New Orleans, which would be pretty cool. I've heard that's pretty, um, pretty um, exciting. Exciting city, and they've got a, uh, I mean, they've got a good team and a good field as well, and a good atmosphere down there. So I'll be pretty excited to go down there. But honestly, I'm pretty, pretty keen to play in Atlanta as well. I've heard. A lot of stuff about the Fire and Ice Trophy between the Arrows and Atlanta. I think that'd be pretty special for the first game of the year as well. Just to um, yeah get a verse them and hopefully get a first piece of silverware under the belt that early on in the year.
1: Yeah, it'll be cool too because that's a uh, that's like that's a Friday night and it's the uh, it's not just the first Arrows game too. It's the first, the
2: first game, yeah.
1: Game, so it's a you know it should be a pretty fun way to a uh, fun way to kick it off.
2: Yeah, definitely, especially with the Arrows' history down there. Yeah, I've heard from a lot of guys that they spent um a lot of time down there during COVID, and, and yeah. yeah, it would be pretty special to go down there and, and get the win for those guys as well.
0: Absolutely, yeah, definitely. Uh, but we can't talk about just uh, where you're going to be playing. It's also playing in Toronto for the first time. And, yes, there's going to be, like, some preseason fixtures, but – uh, how excited are you to play in front of a home crowd on April 8th at the uh, York Lions Stadium?
2: Yeah, I can't I can't wait. I've heard a lot of um, good things about the Toronto Arrows fans here from Bill Webb. He says they're, they're pretty awesome and loyal. So, yeah, it'd be pretty cool to get to play on, play on home soil here and hopefully put a, a smile on some faces and put a performance together to, yeah, that they'd be proud of. And I've heard great things about York Lions Stadium as well. I've heard it's it's a pretty cool atmosphere there.
0: All right. Well, as we said, the preseason's only just begun. We we know there's going to be a preseason fixture against Old Glory DC. Uh, hopefully, there'll be more in the near future to be announced. And you know, we hope you get uh, all the opportunities, Nick. And we're looking forward to cheering you on when uh, the arrows return to Toronto on April eighth. But yeah, thank you very much for your time today. Uh, we're going to end the podcast there. Thanks for everyone mm-hmm. for listening. If you um, enjoyed this episode and would like to listen to more, you can do so either on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Anchor FM. Likewise, if you enjoy watching our faces instead, you can do so on our YouTube channel, at Rouge Rugby. And in fact, we're across all social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, again, at Rouge Rugby. Nick, where can the fine people find you while you're uh, in the midst of pre-season training?
2: Yeah, so my main social media is probably Instagram. I think everyone uses it. So my um, handle is just um, NickBen underscore. It's pretty similar. Yeah, Yeah, thank you very much for having me, guys. It's been been really good.
1: Really appreciate it, Derek. Where can the fine people find you? I'm um, at Perse the Jet uh, across all social media platforms,
2: and you can
0: find me mainly on Twitter and Instagram at Hardman. Spell H4R D M A N. Well, Nick, once again, thank you so much for being on our podcast. The first interviewee we have of 2023. Definitely appreciate it. Derek, thank you for joining me as always. And thank you all for listening and watching and subscribing to the Rouge Rugby podcast where we focus on real Canadian rugby. We hope you can join us again next time.